Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. What's going on, good people? It's another episode of the Play-By-Play Analysis Podcast featuring your boy Devin Nash, BSK Play-By-Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. Brand new episode, but it's the same old foolishness, you know, and we got our boy back, uh, my guy Walt, you know, from Maryland. I mean, he's originally from the um, originally from Philly, now he's from Maryland, now he's in Maryland and, you know, doing wonders, but shout out to my guy Walt, you know. Sir, man, I'm glad to be on a pod as usual, man. And here, here in the DMV, holding it down while while you handling things, you know, up north, but mm-hmm. holding holding it down in the DMV for you. <laughs> right, and you're not the only one. Um, the DMV got its representation this week. You know, even though people in the DMV love to act like Baltimore ain't a part of it, which technically, culturally, and a lot of other things, it's not. But for the sake of convenience, um. Baltimore is one of us when they when 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 Baltimore do good we claim them. It's mm-hmm. it's a funny it's a funny paradox anyway. But Baltimore, shout out to the Ravens, shout out to the Chiefs, shout out to the Niners and shout out to the Lions. We're going to talk about all of that. This NFL divisional round was incredible. Did not disappoint. Script writers have been cooking and I can't wait to see what they got in store for us in a week. But yes, with sir. that being said, we're going to start with the most, I guess, the the game everybody was waiting to see. And that's the one over in Orchard Park in Buffalo. Um, this is this generation's Peyton and Tom at this point. It's Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. I mean, it's going just like Peyton and Tom went. I mean, Tom was yep. beating Peyton's ass for about maybe the first six or seven times they played each other. And then Peyton finally broke through. That's kind of what we're seeing now. I mean, it every time you think he's got it, every time you think Josh Allen, oh, this is the year he's got the team, they're going to get them boys this time, and they don't. <laughs> and I, it's just like, I don't know what to say no more, bro. Like, I, I don't know what they can do. Cause, I mean, you, they had the team this year. You have a running game. You don't have to rely so much on Allen being a superhero and, and Stephon Diggs, even though he had a couple of big drops that he got let off the hook for because of the kicker. Um, but, yeah, this game was crazy. It had something like five or six lead changes, especially just in the second half in particular. And, you know, at the end of the day, though, Pat Mahomes and company and everybody was talking about, oh, this is first road game and this was supposed to be some big challenge, which not to say it wasn't, but we kind of underestimated. Like, yo, it, I mean, <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. Like, yep. You know. he's, he's still that guy. He, he's forever. He's forever that guy. Um, we we knew it was gonna be you know one of those instant classics. Uh, anytime it's Mahomes versus the Allen, uh, especially in a postseason where the stakes are higher, uh, they they just c- kind of outdo themselves every every single time. Like it, it, it's been one of those matchups. But like you said, Dev, everything, all the signs for some reason, um, you know, we're pointing to this is gonna be Buffalo's year, right? Like 
Um, they got hot late in the season. They were kind of clicking and gelling at the right time. And guess what? They had home field advantage, which many people would argue that Buffalo, when it comes to playoff football and being in that type of atmosphere with the bad weather, Buffalo is probably as good as it gets as, as being in a home, home field advantage. Um, so, they, again, they had everything. Um, and I guess, you know, Mahomes said, you know, I, I got to do one. I got to do it again to y'all. Um, and, and that's just what happened. I mean, the best player in the game took over. Um, but even like like we were talking, even like some of those 50-50 plays went Buffalo's way, right? Like the Hartman fumble, which was crazy. Like Chiefs could have put the game away. Um, you know, Josh Allen fumble. Seemed like the Chiefs should have recovered it, but somehow, some way, Bills end up getting it right back. Um, I think the Chiefs uh, met, probably, I think, missed the interception or, or, you know, one or two interceptions. So it's just like a lot of things were going. They um, fumbled, the out the, fumbled out their own end zone. Fumbled out their own. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things were going to Bills' way, and it was like, there's no way, right? I thought, I think everyone thought, you know, there was, because the Chiefs really weren't stopping the Bills into the fourth quarter, but they got it all the way down to the red zone, thought they would make the field goal. And, you know, Mahomes, it was still a lot of time on the clock. Mahomes probably would have got them back in field goal range and won the game. Um, but, hey, this was the one for Josh Allen. Um, but I think this is, 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 you know, Patrick Mahomes is just reminding us that it's levels, right? Like, it's Mahomes and it's the field. Uh, no matter what, we talked about we talked about it multiple times on this podcast. The receivers, you would think, were, were playing for the other team most of the season <laughs> when it came to the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, Rusty Rice has come on late. Uh, Kelsey, uh, you know, the shell of Travis Kelsey has, has returned. Um, but this was it. This was the year for the Bills to get Mahomes on a down year before the Chiefs go draft the receiver in the first round. So, but this was it. This was the one. This was the year. They couldn't get it done, man. Couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done. And that's the other thing is, like, it's not even just about Mahomes. Like, Mahomes is obviously that, that main, like, that's the threshold. Like, that's where everybody wants to go. But it's so many. The AFC we thought was supposed to be the superior conference this year because yeah. it's, it's so, it was so, it's so much spread talent. And that's why the bills, like this was everybody's chance to get Kansas city, which mm-hmm. the, the Ravens still, you know, we can see what they're going to do, but yeah. like the Bengals, this was supposed to be the year, you know, the, the, the bills, you know, the chargers were supposed to take advantage of a down year in the division, uh-huh. you know, couldn't do it. Couldn't even get there. You know, um, who else is in? Uh, the the Dolphins. This was supposed to be Dolphins, yeah. the year that they were supposed to take that next step. So, like, all yeah. of these teams that just didn't rise to the occasion, you know? Yeah. And now it's going to be even harder next year because, like you said, the Chiefs ain't going to sit down. They saw how this – even if they go and win a Super Bowl, which I don't think they will, but even if they go and win a Super Bowl, like – it's going to be hard to just sit back and be like, oh, well, we saw him throwing to damn near himself. You know, we're, we're just going to be cool. No, they're going to go out here. This is going to be a deep free agency. You know, Mike Evans is out there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's going to take a lot to try to get Justin Jefferson, but he's out there. Yeah. T. Uh, Higgins. You said who? T. Higgins is a free agent. T. Higgins is a free agent. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's going to be some people out there. And like we said, this is one of the deeper receiver drafts I think we've ever seen. Which yep. is saying a lot, but this is one of the mm-hmm. deeper receiving drafts that we've ever seen. So they're not going to be down for long. <laughs> like they're not going to be down. So you better get them if you're Baltimore. You better get them because, yeah, <laughs> like the Bills fucked crazy, up man. because that, and the Bills fucked up even more because Bengals are going to be back. You know, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow will be healthy next year. You see the Texans. You see what they're doing now. 
Dolphins, they're not going to sit around. They're going to come back and be healthy. But, like, the Bills, when you think about it, ultimately it just came down to, I think, they didn't make the plays they needed to, and injuries ultimately just caught up with them. Like, you, that yeah. it was just too many injuries to overcome. It, you were asking too much of Josh Allen, which, you know, I mean, he's up for it, but, like, you were asking him to do too much. And Stephon Diggs, bro, just disappeared down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's my guy, you know, DMV guy, all that stuff. But, like, Stephon Diggs was nowhere to be found. Down, like when they switched their philosophy and started running the ball with James Cook, like it's just like, you know, Stephon Diggs just kind of disappeared. Like his role diminished, and I wonder if this is it for him in Buffalo because this has been kind of like one of those weird years where he's had a lot of blowups on the sideline. I mean, they they keep swearing up and down nothing's wrong, but it just feels like you know you got your brother tweeting on your behalf saying they got to get him up out of there. Like it, it just feels like one of those things. Like this could be on its way to like this is an Asian roster. Like I just wonder, it's Buffalo's gonna look real di- if not next year, two years from now. Buffalo's gonna look real different. So absolutely, uh, and this is my thing with Diggs, right? Like you say, maybe this is it for him. Um, but the only thing I'm thinking is like, in what situation would it be better for him, right? Because like we right. know, like part of the reason why he left Minnesota was because. He wanted to be the guy, right? He had to compete with targets for Adam Thielen. He wanted to get paid big, broad receiver one money and be that guy. I just so, think he saw okay. Kirk Cousins ceiling. He hated Kirk Cousins is what I think. Exactly. Why exactly. So they gave him to Buffalo, right? right? And now at Buffalo, say what you want, right? Josh Allen, his season has been like a roller coaster, right? But when you when you when you when it comes down to it, it's it's kind of a four quarterback conversation, right? It's Patrick Mahomes, it's Lamar Jackson, it's a healthy Joe Burrow, and it's Josh Allen, right? Like I think those four guys are kind of in a in, in a class by themselves, right? There's a, yeah. there's a, you know a few guys that are kind of fighting against that, that category here under them, but that's exactly. that's clearly exactly. the... but those are those are the guys, right? Yeah. Those are the guys. So like when you take Diggs um, away from Buffalo, right? Like there's really there's really not anyone else. Uh, you know, people were talking about the Baltimore homecoming possibly, or the, you know what I mean, to come come back to the DMV. But I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see the Ravens spending big money on a on a receiver. But if he leaves Buffalo, where else would he go? Um, and be happy. People were like, join his brother with Dallas. He will be the, the second receiver to C.D. Lamb, right? And he was already angry about targets. Imagine that, right? So, like, Buffalo is a place he got the targets, right? He's been the number one guy, except some quiet playoff performances. So, it's now, it's like, I think it's one of those things where you got to look at her in the mirror and be like, they're paying me almost $100 million to be the guy. I got to be better. Um, and he just hasn't been. He just hasn't been. And I do think Buffalo is his best shot to do anything really but I think also it's it's more than like I, I think a lot of a lot of us look at it in the football lens I think it's more than that it could be a lifestyle thing because you know he always yeah. up in Milan and fashion yeah, he's and in a fashion so he's like fashion. he could fuck around uh, and go, go, to somewhere. go to the Giants and, and, right and, 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 he could go and, to the Giants he could, if he if he want more if he want less taxes being taken out of his money he might go down to Dallas where they don't have <laughs> state taxes you know yeah. like like stuff like that that I look into is is, is the, like the, the more I you know, like we're we're people. We we know how this shit works. It's not just about football. Even though people will say that, like, oh, I want to win, but then you go sign a three year deal with Tennessee. It's like, no, yeah, you wanted the bag. It's okay. But anyway, speaking of the bag, um, Lamar Jackson got paid a handsome fee this this summer. Um, a lot of people, you know, had a chance to go get him. Something like fifteen teams that desperately like they're. It was maybe 30 teams that could have gotten him, but only maybe 15 that really needed him because, like, mm-hmm. obviously half the teams had their quarterback already. They don't need him. But there were a handful of teams that passed on him and were in no position to do so. You know, I look at teams like New Orleans. I look at teams like Atlanta. 
Washington, mm-hmm. Car- Carolina. Thank God they passed on him. Uh, you know, teams like that that could have gotten him. You know, they could have paid the price to go get him, and said, "Nah, we're good." And here we are. He's in the AFC Championship game. He is potentially going to win his second MVP. And he is one game away from taking the Ravens to their first Super Bowl in 10 or 11 or 12 seasons. So, with all that being said, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, this this is just it's such a great... See, I went to school in Baltimore. I'm obviously from Maryland, you know, so Baltimore got a special place in my heart. Like, when... When I'm not rooting for... For some reason, I root for the Commanders. I don't know why. But when I'm not rooting for them... Like, I've always fucked with the Ravens heavy. Like, on the side. They, they I always got love for the Ravens. I love the way they do things. Because they they don't play around. They're about their business. You know? And it's been a, it's been a level of excellence in that side of town for, for 20-something years now. Since... Yeah. Since the, since the, you know, inception, I would say. Since, like, the, of, like <laughs> even when, since 96 when they moved here. Yeah. You know, even when they have bad seasons, it's not like a shit show like it is in D.C. It's like you'll have a bad season because some people get hurt or just because, you know, it's the natural cycle of things in the NFL where guys retire and you got to rebuild. And so you'll have a couple bad years. But then they always just re-up because they draft well. They have good culture. John Harbaugh is a great coach. He hires great coaches around him like Mike McDonald and, 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 and some of these other people. And even Greg Roman, for all the bad shit we can say about him, I mean, like, Lamar was an MVP under yeah. Greg Roman. And now he's about to be an MVP other, under Todd Monken. Now, with all that being said, this iteration of Baltimore might be the scariest we have seen since they had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed in the backfield. Like, this, this iteration, because you got the offense led by Lamar Jackson doing some incredible things on that side. But this Ravens defense, in an era where offense is just taking charge, mm-hmm. this defense is beautiful. Like, I love watching this defense play football, man. Yeah, I mean, they, they got those guys, man, at, at every level, right? Every like, single level, got, all three levels of got, Yeah, you even got a guy like Jadavion Clowney, who, uh, a former number one pick, who it just seemed like he could never reach his potential, right? And he's like, what? 10 plus years in now and he's he he's incredible right he's now bold. right like yeah. him on the edge and he's just a and he's just a guy on this defense right like that's how good they are right they had marla humphrey that was out last week right but they still didn't miss a beat in the secondary um and so like you said that i think um people have saying like i think this is the best you know ravens team ever possibly right and we talk about a team that's won super bowls right but when we look at those super bowl teams um, the last one that they won, Flacco just had an incredible playoffs, right? Like, right. regular season-wise, though, that offense wasn't really scary at all, right? The defense was keeping them afloat, even though they were a little bit – Ray was a little bit older, so they didn't have that same spark. But this team has has everything, right? Like, they're the most dominant uh, running the football offensively. And, of course, they got Lamar Jackson, who's the MVP. Um, and then they got a big play guy in Zay Flowers who, um, you know, at any given moment, he could take a 90 yards, right? And that, that's somebody that they've never had. Mark oh, Andrews is out. But they got Isaiah Likely, who's who's even more dynamic than Mark Andrews. Um, and, and Lamar is just comfortable, a system that's a NFL offense, finally, with Todd Monk in there. And they and could get Mark Andrews back. He was he was trending upwards to try yeah. to play this week, but they could get him back for this game. And even if yeah. and even if they don't get him back, let's say they beat Kansas City, they could get him back for the Super Bowl. Yep, you get that you know extra week off, too. So uh, it's just tough. They're going to be tough to stop uh, offensively. Like Kansas City, like the Bills had their way running the football with Josh Allen. Uh, James Cook. Imagine what this Ravens rush offense. Like, if the Chiefs don't put nine in a box, 
you can you can you can forget about it as far as stopping them. Patrick Mahomes is gonna have to score forty, at least, to, to to keep them off to keep them off the field. Because that's what it that's what it's gonna be. If the Chiefs can't stop the run, man, like I said, Mahomes is gonna have to score forty points. And my thing also, the Chiefs defense, people sleep on it. The Chiefs defense is elite. You know, Steve Spagnola, we all know we all know what it is with Steve Spagnola. You know, we know what it is. He's probably one of the greatest defensive coordinators ever. Mm-hmm. Like top three, four, five, maybe ever in the NFL. So it's like it's you know, and he's doing it again with this team, whatever. But Lamar is different. Lamar, like you said, Pat Mahomes is clearly the best, but there's a four there are four guys up there, and Lamar is one of them. He's going to be up there with Mahomes in terms of they both going to have two MVPs. Yeah. Potentially a Super Bowl MVP, whatever. Like, I mean, Lamar Jackson, people talk about him. I mean, even still, this year, we still hear little things about, oh, he's not a quarterback enough. He's not. He's, oh, he's this, he's that. And it's like, please respectfully shut the fuck up. (laughs) He's different. Yeah, he is. He is. And the thing is, right, like most of the people that say those comments um, are called stat watchers. Right. Yeah, they're, they're ignorant stat watchers, right? They say, oh, Lamar Jackson only had 150 yard passing, right? If, if my team is up 30 to nothing, why do I need my quarterback throwing the ball when there's no one that can stop our run game? You know what I mean? So it's, it's just like, but th- those 150 yards that he may have passed, with, two touchdowns, right? So I'm talking about efficiency. Like, he's just been so efficient down the stretch this season. Everything looks easy. Everything's moving at the slow pace. Um, and he makes every throw when he when you need him to make it, right? It could be from the pocket. It can be extending plays, right? So it's just like people don't watch the Ravens, how dominant they've been. They just look at the stats and say, oh, this guy hasn't thrown 4,000 yards, um, which he can if, if that's what they need him to do. But they, they just don't need it. He, they don't need it. And plus, he's the ultimate cheat code because, like, he's not going to throw – for four thousand, because some of those plays he's gonna be he's gonna be running for nine hundred to a thousand, so that's gonna cut into some of his passing, which yep. is is whatever because it's it's a, it's a sacrifice you're willing to make because of what he does. You saw it with Houston in the first half; they were struggling, but their only offense was Lamar scrambling at times in the first half, and then you know Houston kind of figured it out for a little bit. But then they went in the halftime and came out, and I don't know what they said at halftime, but Lamar came out and was just dialed in. And and then they still couldn't stop the run, but then he started dicing them up as a mm. passer too. Like this year he's taking the level, he's taking the next step as a passer this year. That he, like not to say that he wasn't a good passer, but it doesn't mean he can't become a better one. And I think this year he's become better, and that's a scary sight for any defense. It doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, we've seen what he did to San Francisco. We saw – you know what he's done to some good defenses, so Kansas City is just next up, and it is crazy to think that like Baltimore in their storied history has never hosted an AFC Championship. Like they've been in several of them, but they always been on the road. Like they went to New England a few times, they went to Pittsburgh, they went to uh, I don't even remember where else, but like <laughs> they've never hosted one. So it, Baltimore yeah. is gonna be unhinged, bro, and and I'm loving okay. it for that city, bro. Definitely. You know? definitely. I wonder if Taylor Swift's going to show man. up. They deserve it, man. And I think every NFL team that was, you know, not interested in Lamar Jackson, collusion, it was collusion or whatever you want to call it, but every team that just said, no, we're not, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not going to trade for a guy no. that has an MVP and is not even 20, 28 years old yet, right? So for all those teams, this is exactly what you get and, and what you deserve, honestly, because now Lamar Jackson 
And it's some some of them some of them I'm glad they said no. Can, yeah. imagine, can you imagine if Carolina tried to trade for him? Oh, yeah. Thank God that didn't happen. Or yeah. or or the Commanders. Thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it just no no. So it, Ravens is where he needed to be. Shout out to them. The last man standing between us and the Swifties in the Super Bowl, Lamar. Mm-hmm. We need y'all to get the job done. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Because if I, I'll be damned if 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 the nightmare does not end this weekend. Please. All right. I wonder if she even shows up to Baltimore. You think she's going to be in a Baltimore suite? I can't even imagine that. I've been yeah, seeing they're the, going to get something. They're they going to get something. I've been seeing the jokes. I'm like, well, Taylor Swift ain't trying to come here. <laughs> she, she's not. But, yeah, shout out to them anyway. But moving on, um, another feel-good story in the NFL. Obviously, you and I have been we're, – we're in our 20s. You know, we, we haven't lived on Earth long. So – there's a lot of things we still haven't seen just in life. There's some things that we've grown up with that we've just, we've never known prosperity in the city of Detroit, for example. Um, that that football team has been through hell and back. And it's reflective on the city too, because the city's been through it yeah. as well and whatever. But boy, let me tell you, Dan Campbell, I need to apologize to Dan Campbell because I was one of many people who, when he was hired in his press conference and he was talking about kicking people in the teeth and biting kneecaps and all that craziness, and I'm looking at him like, what is this high school-ass football coach that y'all just hired? And then they went Owen oh, whatever in his first year, and I'm like, oh, man, this dude going to be out the league in like two to three years. This is going to be mm-hmm. another shit show in Detroit. Like, really? This is who they hired? All these qualified black coaches, and they hired this dude? Like, this is just one of the many things I was thinking. And then here we are. And then the second year, they kind of were bad. But then the owner came out, publicly supported them. And then they went on a little win streak to end the season. And it's like, okay, whatever. And then this year, everything finally came together. And the Detroit Lions, the goddamn Detroit Lions, are in the playoffs. Not just in the playoffs. They are in the NFC Championship for the first time in 32 years. If you are 65 years old or younger, you have never seen a championship in that city, first of all. If you're maybe 50 or 40 years or younger, this is only the second time you've seen the NFC. The Dallas Cowboys have not been to an NFC championship in, 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 in that same time span. The Detroit Lions have made one. We are witnessing history right now, bro. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible, man. Uh, I got to give a big shout-out to my boy Craig Reynolds. A big playoff touchdown, man. Uh, my my boy from you know from the Philly area, big PSAC guy right there, Cusstown alum. Right. Um, but it's a feel good story, man. Uh, it's it, it's crazy because two years ago, like you said, Dan Campbell's first year, they're three and thirteen, um, and, and they were they were down and out, right? They were down and out, have number have the number two pick. They started zero and eight too. That was the funny part. They started zero exactly. and eight. You got Dan Campbell yep. crying at press conferences. Yep. Like yeah, right. So it, it's been. It's been crazy, man. It's been a crazy, you know, swing in the last two years. Last year, right, they were so close, right? They had all of those close games, um, and they just couldn't couldn't get over the hump. But this this year is it, right? Like, you see, I think in Detroit, right, like, you look into the crowd, and fans are crying. Um, and, and sometimes the sports fans, um, if we don't, if that's not our team, we laugh at it, right? We're like, this is this is crazy. But, like, like you said, this, this is unheard of. Um, they haven't you know, reached this level of success in Barry Sanders, right? And, We're they, barely about Barry and they barely was reaching it then. Like, exactly. Exactly, right? Like, we're talking about a franchise that had Barry Sanders, arguably the greatest running back of all time, 
right? We talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, a franchise that had Calvin Johnson, arguably the most gifted wide receiver of all time. And forced right? both of them they, in early retirements. They forced both of, two of the greatest ever, like two of the, the, the biggest, like we will never see a guy with Barry Sanders' skill set ever again. We will never see a guy with Calvin Johnson's skill set ever again. These guys were retired at the prime of their careers because that's how bad this organization was. That's how bad they were, right? And this team is now in the conference championship with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's been a story franchise. And, um, and, and a lot of bad, but this is this is, this is is the feel-good story of the year. Yeah, and not to mention, they also ran out the greatest quarterback that they've ever had in that franchise. You, yeah. know, um, you know, for 13 or 10 or whatever number of years that he was there. And then he finally, the, the first year he gets run off, he finally goes and wins the title. You know, mm-hmm. so... They were it was it was so bad they were rooting for him. There was a there was a segment of fans called the 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 Los Angeles or the the Detroit Rams. It was like a it was a whole joke thing. Like they were all rooting for Stafford to win because they they fuck with Stafford heavy because he's he's cool. It's not like they don't like him. Yeah. But like you know he was a, he was great for that city. You know and he was good because he at least won them a few. Like he got them to the playoffs a few times. They just never won a division, so they were always like. On the road, so we this is the first year we got to see the city of Detroit host playoff games, and we saw two of them, and the atmospheres were electric. But you know who the real winner in all this is, besides Dan Campbell, besides him. <coughs> Sorry, the real winner, Aiden Hutchinson, hometown hero, bro. Hometown he's hero, everything bro. we thought Chase Young would be in DC. You know, mm-hmm. no disrespect to Chase, that's my guy because he's still from. I still root for him, all that stuff, but. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson is what I thought Chase Young would be. He came to this city, and, and this is going back to college. He went to Michigan, laid the foundation. He was part of that class that beat Ohio State for the first time yeah. in 10 or 15 years. He didn't, laid, the team that sacrificed for this championship. Right. Michigan laid team. the foundation for that Michigan title that they won this yep. year. He did that in college. He goes to the NFL and does it here. Now, he was a hometown dude, like Michigan through and through. He was a Lions fan growing up, so he watched the futility for years. And now he's a part of resurrecting the team. And so you saw the clips of him just sitting there taking it all in because it's like, bro, he lived that shit. Like, that is that is every hometown kid's dream, bro, to do it for your home city. Yeah, that's how they Shout out to Aiden man. And yeah. shout out to all the guys they drafted. Almond Ross St. Brown, you know, for him to be drafted after all the dudes that were drafted before him. De'Ami Brown... Bum ass nigga, sorry, <laughs> Commanders, but he's bum. Uh, I forgot he he named a bunch of, them. and he's like, but calls them all by name, and that's just kind of like this team, right? Like yeah. they feed off their head coach Dan, Dan Campbell again. I got a shout out my boy Craig, right? Just an underdog story, right? Been on a practice squad, been down and out out of the league, just was a grinder, uh, has stuck, been on the Lions for the last two or three seasons. It's just like you know David Montgomery, the Bears kind of threw him away, right? So it's just like. These guys, you know, they, they're just a you know, reflection of Dan Campbell. Aaron Glenn has been a crazy, right? Like two years ago, Aaron Glenn, most people would have said the Lions are crazy for keeping him, yep. right? He comes back last year up and down defense, but this year their defense has been very, very solid, right? So it's just like, and he's interviewing right now for head coaching jobs. Uh, ben Johnson, offensive coordinator right now, interviewing for head coaching jobs, right? And that's that's just how... You know how impressive this season has been for the Lions, and you know uh, every other team out there that are looking for coaches, right? They want some of that Dan Campbell DNA to be into their organization. Even I remember it's like people killed them for drafting Jameer Gibbs in the first round because yep. oh, you don't draft running backs in the first round. No, 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 no. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. 
You know, that look was what the, he's doing. the biggest thing too for this Lions team. They hit on every single draft. Every single pick. Uh, Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Laporta, and Brian Branch. Their Obviously. first four yep. picks were all hits. And that's just all this quality year. Start, all quality contributors to a playoff, a, a conference championship team. And that's just this year. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson has panned yep. out pretty well. Hutchinson, you know, yeah. they they get you know they they had pretty decent free agents. You know, you trade for Jared Goff. You know, people thought Jared Goff was history. They thought they were trading for a dude that would be a placeholder, and he was going to just hold the seat for the potential next future of the franchise. Like Jared Goff was written off in L.A. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And now Jared Goff, here we are, yep. a game away from his second Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, like. The whole team, and it's building off of a city that was left for dead. You know, obviously, we know the story of Detroit. As a matter of fact, somebody, I saw an article today in Deadspin. It's one of my favorite publications, even though sometimes they be tripping. But, like, Deadspin literally compared this team to the 06 Saints in terms of, like, it, it feels like the 06 Saints because it's not exactly a hurricane, but we know what the city of Detroit has been through. I mean, you know, been through a lot. with with the, the recessions and, and, and just with everything and, you know, the Chrysler and all that shit. And then obviously the team being down, it, it feels like the 06 Saints. And that is probably and, you know, people in New Orleans may not like that because it's like, hey, you know, Katrina and all that. But like this is I can see where the comparisons coming. Like, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Lions, man. You know, for doing all this stuff. And shout out to all these teams, man. It's really. But the best football game of the weekend was the one that literally nobody expected to be the best football game of the weekend. And that was in Santa Clara, California on a rainy Saturday evening. I stayed up late to watch this game, sacrificed some sleep. Was worth it. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell y'all, the Green Bay Packers, man. I guess people thought they were playing or something. People just thought because they beat Dallas, like, oh, oh, fuck Dallas, whatever. Like, oh, and the Green Bay's like, oh, so I'm pussy? And and then they walked in, into San Francisco and said, oh, y'all thought this was a game. <laughs> and they had San Fran on the ropes for about up until the final minute of the fourth quarter when McCaffrey kind of just walked in. And Jordan Love just went full Brett Favre at the end of the game. But I'm like, dog. Jordan Love was letting that thing fire. Mm-hmm. And had him on the ropes. Yeah. Had him, on, had him on the ropes, bro. Um, and it's one of those things, right? Like, uh, I'll stick with the boxing analogy, right? Like, it's it's one of those things where the decision uh, slightly goes to one one mistake that the young that the young uh, that the young prize fighter makes. Um, it, it it was just you know a few of those mistakes that the Packers you know had in the second half that kind of cost them the game. Um, I, I know, like, I'm a, I'm a super superstitious guy when it comes to signs in a football game, right? So the biggest sign that I learned at an early age was whenever a guy misses an interception, more times than not, that play will be followed up by a touchdown on the other team. That happened in the first half. Um, second half, same thing. It's the interception, that same drop, 49 score, right? So it's just, like, things that are, like, so slim happen, and they change the entire game. Uh, Jordan Love, he's, his his story's been incredible. He didn't have as great as a game as you would like for him to see, uh, but he gave them a chance. He gave them a chance. Defense wasn't able to stop the 49ers, and then Love just makes a young, you know, young play, right? Like the ghost of Brett Favre kind of haunted him on that last drive. Um, but gave him a good fight. Gave him a good fight. But I also think 49ers, man, 
might be a might be a little chink in that armor, man. I I don't know. Like I don't know if they are as overwhelmingly the favorite um, as people were expecting them to be coming into this playoffs. And I'm just... I will say, Purdy did what he needed to do. Yeah, but that is still a question mark. That is. is still a question mark. It is, and I will say, Purdy like. I'm not in that crowd of people that things like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't think it's a problem to be a game manager, system quarterback, whatever other manufactured cuss words that y'all create. Because we're all, every quarterback is a system quarterback. Like, you can't just, it's only maybe, like we said, that top four kind of does things on their own and it doesn't really matter who you put at coach. But even Patrick Mahomes, bro, if he's not paired with Andy Reid, he's probably not Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know, Lamar Jackson. I mean, Greg Roman, like we said, for what we could say about him, helped him become an MVP and helped him turn into what we are now. You know? Yeah. But, like, all quarterbacks need a good system. Like, you can't penalize somebody for playing with a bunch of superstars. And I guarantee you, he's better than Jimmy G at yeah. the same job. I'm you with could, you. I'm you could ask any, ask any Niners fan right now, would they rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy? I think I know maybe seven out of ten of them, I think I know what the answer would be. Yeah. You know, there's the other I'm three that you. are just haters. But, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But to that point, it's like, bro, like, the other thing, people are like, oh, I, it's, I don't know if it's so much a chink in the armor as the fact that we underestimated the rest of the – like, this is the playoffs. Like, teams don't luck their way here. You don't get here by accident. Unless you're, like, the winner of an 8-9 conference, like the Buccaneers or the whatever. But even the Seahawks won a playoff game at 7-9. You know, the Panthers won a playoff game at 7-8. Like, you don't luck your way into the playoffs. There are good teams that are playing in the playoffs. Like, they didn't just accidentally beat Dallas by 30. Absolutely. You know, so Green Bay is a good team. It's just the Niners have, you know... If, if they was two missed field goals away from possibly winning that game, if that kicker doesn't go out there and blow the football, especially at the end, if he doesn't go out there and blow the football game, they probably go to overtime. Who knows what happens then? Debo got hurt, too, so you lose one of your top weapons, even though you still got a bunch of them, but you lose the best one. Yeah. You know, and it, it's going to be and, – and plus the weather was terrible. It was terrible weather. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's like you you put all that together. Yeah, this naturally was going to happen. So mm-hmm. – you know, but they got it done. They're lucky. But like you, I'm not so sure Niners are just a guaranteed lock-in. You know, That's like, what I'm saying. The Lions feel yeah. like a team of destiny right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll see. Like, like you said, see. like Debo Samuels, right? When the 49ers had that stretch, I think it was like three or four games that they lost. Um, when they had that stretch, it was largely due to injuries um, and offensively injury, offensive injuries with Kittle being out, Debo being out. Um, McCaffrey was even banged up for a couple weeks. Um, but – Without Debo Samuels, the Lions can can you know maybe stack the box a little bit more, put a little bit more pressure on Purdy and make him and Ayuk, you know, two younger guys win, right? So like, I like the Lions' chances, you know, of course a lot better without Debo, but if the game plan can be revolved around that, making Brock Purdy win the game, right? That's that's what it comes down to. And again, I'm a Brock Purdy, you know, I won't say a fan, but like like you, the, like, like I like I think him, you know, he's a lot better than. Than Jimmy G, right? That and, and that's just what how I feel, and I, because I think he can kind of um, you know, at least garner more trust and faith in Shanahan to at least let him throw the ball and let him do those things. Um, but we've seen, you know, some things that reveal that Purdy may not have the big arm that that's needed 
um, or may not be able to, you know, be a, as dynamic of a runner as the other quarterbacks that are kind of left, uh, of course, on the AFC. Um, but he is steady. He usually does what he needs to do. Um, and he might elevate you a little bit more out of structure than the, the past 49, uh, you know, quarterback. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see, but I like you. I think the Lions got a good chance. Yeah, Lions got a good chance. My thing with Purdy is personally, I, I say it like this: is Jimmy G, the Niners would win in spite of him, not because of him. Exactly. Purdy, you can win because of Purdy. Well, like you can do both. You can win in spite and because of. You don't just win in spite of. Like you can win because yep. of Purdy. Mm-hmm. I never said that with Jimmy G. Like there was never a moment in in the Jimmy G Niners era where it's like. Damn, that guy, Jimmy G. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Like, you never saw that there. Like, I mean, he he won games, sure, but, like, it was always ugly. Like, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the playoffs. They would just win ugly games, and, and he would just make some stupid pass. It would be like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. And so you don't see – Purdy does that, but it's like, bro, every quarterback going to make a few of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Purdy also will come back and be like, hey, no, let me throw this – that touchdown pass he threw to George Kittle was incredible. You know, like, he'll, he'll do that. And then, of course, like we said – you have Christian McCaffrey, who probably would, probably should be in, in MVP conversations, but God forbid they give it to a running back. Um, and <laughs> you have Debo. Even if Debo's hurt, you still have Brandon Ayuk, who's really good, and he's a free agent this summer too. And you have um, Jawan Jennings ain't no scrub either. Ray, mm-hmm. Ray, 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 uh, Ray, Ray McLeod is pretty good. And then on the defensive end, I mean, Bosa kind of, you know, he gets up for Well, no, it's Jared Goff, so. It's not a black quarterback this week. But, you know, you got Nick Bosa. You have that line with Hargrave and Kinlaw. Chase Young was nowhere yeah. to be found on Saturday, but who knows? <laughs> he always had one or two games where he'll light it up, too. So, yeah. he's supposed Brett to Warner, be there. Trey Greenlaw, like, yeah. that's, that's what that, I, that I will say, right? Like, watching the 49ers week to week. Um, they just got playmakers all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's for, for me, uh, with Greenlaw, two picks. Um, as a linebacker, it is it's crazy. And, like, his athleticism, right? Like, say what you want. Like, it was a dumb football play to keep running after he got that No, pick. fuck that. But I am trying to be the hero. I feel Did it. you see what he was doing? Yeah. He was, he was stiff-arming dudes. Yep. He was hurtling. He was juking. This like, an incredible Ooh, athlete. And that's the second guy, right? And, and if you watch Fred Warner, I said, I, and I was, I was talking to my boys about this over the weekend. I said, if you put on, like, any NFL game week to week, right? Let's say we were watching all 16 games. There will be one player, I'll say maybe Lamar, I'll, I'll say two players. I'll say Lamar Jackson on offense mm-hmm. and then Fred Warner on defense yep. is the most incredible thing you'll ever witness. Right. The plays that he makes on a weekly basis are, are insane. Kyle Hamilton from the Ravens will probably be second. Right. But what Fred Warner does is just crazy. Like, just watch him. I, I urge all the listeners out there. Just, just watch Fred Warner. like a series. Just spend one series and just watch Fred Warner. It's, it's the most unbelievable thing you'll ever see. My thing, I'm like, somebody posed this question, and I want to ask you, because you and I came from an era where linebacking play was a lot different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, we grew up on the Ray Lewis's and the Luke Keekleys and the mm-hmm. Patrick Willis's, the Navarro Bowman's. Somebody yeah. asked, is he better than Patrick Willis right now? That's that's tough, because uh, as soon as you pose the question, I was going to say, Patrick I Willis no. may be the most well-rounded. Uh, Luke Kuechly was just a, was just different. Like it was like never anything that was like I would say Luke Kuechly wasn't a big hitter that like Ray or like Erlacher would give you. Oh yeah, okay, no, yeah, no, I got you. Like those right. guys. Yeah, no, no, right? yeah, yeah. Like, he See. was, 
but he was better than he was. He was a a, a hard hitter compared to those cover guys, right? right? But then Kikli could cover, yeah, Kiki, like Kiki, ridiculously Kiki good. He was yeah. just so. When I think about Kikli, I just think of how smart he was and like how dynamic he was. Um, doing both downhill and coverage, reading. And Fred Warner reminds me of Kikli a little bit. Who? Of Keekly. That's who Fred Warner reminds me of. Okay. Yeah, I I, I think that's a that's a fair comparison. But, but I do Patrick ask, Willis is he like the, somebody was like Patrick Willis was a freak though. Like Patrick Willis yeah. was, was ridiculously big. Look he looked the part, he ran and he would kill um, you. I mean just ridiculously good. But I think Fred Warner, like in coverage, like cup like he literally can cover the whole middle of the field yep. in cover two. Which is unheard of from an inside linebacker. And then yet he still can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. So I would say he's more well-rounded than Patrick Willis. Yeah, because um, I think it's also a different era, too. Because Pat Willis yeah, yeah, yeah. never had to play against these offenses. Yeah. Patrick Willis in today's game would just be. Where the oh, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, let me not play him like Willis that. Willis was a dog. Patrick Willis was a dog. Navarro Bowman, I love him and Navarro Bowman together. Yeah. yeah and that's what I feel like. This is like their modern day. It's like Greenlaw and, 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 and Warner are kind of like, yep. you know. They just reloaded. As soon as Bowman and Willis walked out, it's like, hey, here's Warner and Greenlaw. Like, it's not fair. (laughs) But, yeah, these two championship games are going to be elite for that reason. And whoever makes the Super Bowl, you know, we're in for it. So, shout out to to NFL fans everywhere. Yes, sir. We have reached my favorite part of the show. It's a segment I like to call Big Time Plays. It is dedicated to the craziness and all the stuff going on around the world sports and otherwise so um man we 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 talk about football we talk about life it's it's it's, it's a whole lot going on man it's, it's, it's a lot but this is basketball season i guess you know i mean football does have to end at some point so basketball is heating up the trade deadline is coming up soon in february but we've already seen a bunch of trades obviously dame lillard started the summer off and it's just kind of gone from there we've seen a couple other kind of sort of big ones since then um, Drew Holiday going to Boston, for example. So, but then we saw one this week, the Indiana Pacers, who, you know, the Eastern Conference is as good as it has been. Like, it used to be very top-heavy, and it kind of sort of still is. I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly are kind of clearly at the top. You know, you throw Miami a little bit in there, but, like, all the teams under them are separated by maybe one or two games. You have Miami, you have New York, you have the Pacers. Um they're, they're all just kind of down there doing whatever. So the Pacers saw that and they figured, hey, sitting at that seven seed, we we got a move to make. You know, you beat the Bucks four times in the season, you start thinking you're good. You're better than you might be. Mm-hmm. So the Pacers decided to make a big splash and they traded a handful of players and some picks and they traded to get Pascal Siakam, you know, former world champion of the 2019 Toronto Raptors, is now a member in his final year of his contract, he's now a member of the Pacers. A lot of people, I mean, just looking at the numbers, it seems like a perfect fit because he's good in transition. He's a great defender. And you pair him with Tyrese Halliburton, who's having an incredible year. You have Miles Turner in the front line, so you have a decent front line. It it just feels like a, a, a good fit, you know, and you you can hope that you would hope that they'll be able to resign him this summer because they gave a hell of a lot up to try to get him. And it's going to be a hell of a leap if he can help them win because they're currently sitting at seven. So it's a big risk they made, but it feels like it's a good risk. You know, maybe they're thinking forward. But, you know, your thoughts on the uh, trade, Walt, when you saw it? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as a Tyrese Halliburton fan, I, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the trade. Um, I, I love what Tyrese Halliburton has has brought for that Pacers organization this year. Um, I think it was, you know, a perfect trade for them, um, moving Sabonis to get a guy like Halliburton. Um, and then you got Siakam, who's a big that can do a little bit of everything, right? He's versatile. He can play the four. He can play the five. Um, he can play on a perimeter. He can play on a paint if you need him. Um, so he gives them, you know, a, a, a all-star level player. Uh, I don't know if he's he's a true uh, superstar, right? Like he's maybe, no. you know, a, a tear or two underneath. My thing um, is, but he's a great compliment yeah. to this offense. And, and as far as like the free flowing style, he can handle the ball. He can be a uh, secondary playmaker, so he can do a little bit of everything. But to your point, Dev, like I just don't think that the Pacers have enough around the big three of Halliburton, Siakam, and Turner to really contend at all with the big three of the Bucks, uh, the Celtics, and the Sixers. And then even when I look at the Knicks, who just got OG, the Heat, who are always tough to beat, I just don't know if that moves the needle but the Pacers know there's not really going to be a, a free agent that will ever voluntarily sign to go to Indiana so why not be a trade let's get a guy in here let's hope that he enjoys playing with our young superstar Halliburton and hopefully um we can convince him to resign right because Siakam's not he can't come from Toronto which is a big market when you think about it but not in NBA terms Toronto is not really a attractive market so he's played in a similar type of situation um, now he's at Indiana, so hopefully they can re-sign him because long-term I love the fit. Um, but this year I just don't know if it will really make a huge difference out east. Right, and that's my thing. I think the east is good enough where, like, you could be like, – like we said, he's separated by a few games. I don't know. If, like you said, it would be a hell of a leap from seven to, like, four. That would be mm-hmm. crazy. But yep. because of how tight the east is and how good the East is, I think they could theoretically do it. But like you said, I mean, the Knicks is going to be hard to pass them. I mean, the Knicks have just been crazy. Like, Jalen Brunson's been um, unbelievable, you know. And the Knicks made their trades. Like you said, they traded for OG, and they got rid of some guys. So that'll be tough. But um, I think they are thinking long-term, and I think they do. They You don't make a trade like this unless you truly believe you can resign the guy. Absolutely. I would hope. Because th- th- there's no other reason to think that you're going to just go for it at seven. Because this ain't the NFL where you can just, <laughs> like, you got to win four seven-game series, you know. So, yeah, like, yeah. Gave up three first-round picks, too. That's, three first that was round the picks. biggest takeaway for me was, like, they gave up so much. So, if you give up three first-round picks, his agent better have, you know, shook someone's hand under the table and said, we're re-signing. Right. If they gave up that many picks. Right. So, that this this will be interesting to see how it goes going forward. But it is, like you said, it's good for the Pacers, you know, especially if they can get him to an extension, it's going to be good for them. And if not, I mean, shoot, you still, you know, you're still good. You're still in good hands future-wise. Like, it's not like a terrible, like, you you know, it's cool to see teams make moves like this. Like, because, you know, it, it, it doesn't always have to be the big markets that make big, flashy moves. Like, you know, Absolutely. it's cool to see other teams actually care about winning. So, like, I like the move for the Pacers. Like we said, statistically, and you look at analytics and all that stuff, they, everything he does fits perfectly with what the Pacers do. So, yeah. But, like we said, they ain't beating – they might beat the Bucks because they beat them four damn times. Yeah. You know, let me stop making fun nice of my team. Nice Let me but, s- hey, stop man. making fun of my team. Let me stop making fun of yeah. my team. But, you know, they ain't beating the Celtics. So, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's cool, though. But, um – yeah, that that'll be an interesting move. That'll be an interesting move. And speaking of moving and trading and moving and switching, you played yourself. Dedicated to 
the people that should have sat down and ate their food. And obviously, college football, as we know it, is entering a new era, you know? And it's official now because obviously Nick Saban retired. So that's kind of like the last, I guess, nail in the coffin of what the old guard of college football is. We're in a completely brand new era now. Like, it's a clean slate. It's a new era going forward. And one of the biggest features of this new era of college football is the wild, wild west that is the NIL and the wild, wild west that is the transfer portal. Those two things have kind of clashed. And now you get a situation where guys aren't coming to schools as much anymore for tradition and for the brand and the allure of it. You know, it's coming as like, nigga, who is paying the most? (laughs) Essentially, like Nick Saban could sell Alabama without ponying up too much NIL money. Like, I think Alabama was cool while Nick Saban was there. But the moment he walked away and you can't sell it on just Alabama tradition anymore and you actually got to be like, hey. You got whatever Alabama didn't found out. It's a little bit tougher to keep up with Texas and USC and Georgia. We don't got the bags that they got. You you can't just be throwing money at people because we're Alabama. And and apparently they must realize that so much that the the that the little message board spoke to the you know Alabama's in the Bible Belt. We know this. Uh, it's a lot of evangelical people down there. It's God, guns, and football. That's that's you know down there. Uh, Probably not in that order, which is sad, but, you know, football means a lot. These people go into church, you know, they, they, they take 10% of their checks and give it to God, like the good book would say. Alabama decided, you know what? No, 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 no. God is cool, but we need that money, <laughs> you know? Stop tithing and offering and give that money to Alabama. You know how off the wall that is? To say that, hey, look, hey, hey, we understand that you give unto the Lord, but the Lord said giveth unto his flock, and his flock is struggling right now because his flock can't keep up with Ohio State. <laughs> so stop tithing and offering and give that money to Alabama. <laughs> I don't give a piss about nothing but the tide. I don't give a piss <laughs> about nothing but the tide. <laughs> nothing but the tide. <laughs> we don't give a piss. Church 
for NIL money. Yeah. This is crazy. And it's like, yo, like you said, he about to find out real quick. And this is why I'm like, bro, I want to see a black man lead Alabama, but not now. Give it a little minute. Let's let Kayla DeBoer fail. Let's let the bar go down a little bit. <laughs> then let the black man follow Kayla DeBoer. Because then, <laughs> then, you know, you're not following Nick Saban. You're following Kayla uh-huh. DeBoer who followed Nick Saban. Exactly. We need a buffer. Exactly. Kalen DeBoer is the buffer. So yep. <laughs> let him, you know. Yep. He's 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 the he's the he's the uh, the rebound. Right. Yep. That's why I'm rebound. like I'm he's praying for Gerard Mayo because Lord, <laughs> if he doesn't figure it out in New England, they gonna run his ass out of town. Hey, get that oh, porch monkey out of here. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's safe to say now since they made that hire, Jada Daniels is off the team for for New England Patriots. No, it's not. No, they, no. They, they, there's no way they're getting a Gerard and a Jaden, bro. There's no way. Oh, no, yes, yes they are. No, no, no. allowing a Gerard and a Jaden. Oh, Robert Pratt, no, 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 no. Y'all don't get, no, it's the nigga England Patriots. This, 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 no. We, we getting a black quarterback and a black head coach and Robert Kraft, who's friends with Meek Mill. We are getting all of that. We're, we're getting it. New England has to wrap their hands around it because it's happening. This will be the craziest rebrand in, in the history of sports. In the history of sports, that <laughs> white crazy, bro. That white so alien race. Brady, that, this, that's going to be a legendary thirty for thirty, right? Let's just be, let's just say, right? Let's say Gerard turns that around. Jaden Daniels comes in. You know, we talk about a, a Heisman Trophy winner, Heisman Trophy winner. Let's say he leads them to a Super Bowl, oh, yeah. and we gonna have the greatest thirty for thirty from Belichick to Brady to Gerard and Jaden. I don't think we will ever see any. That will be a session's must-watch TV right there. Honestly, you know what quarterback I want to see go there? It's going to be Jaden, but you know who I want to see? Because they're, they're not going to wait a year to get a quarterback, unfortunately. But I want to see Shador in New England. Shador, oh, my God. Now, now. Cause, I mean, not when Bill was there. Oh, yeah. But, like, now, uh-huh. I would want to see Shador in New But it's not going to happen because they're going to get Jaden this year. So, yeah. but uh-huh. um, Unless, unless somehow, some way, Gerard says, hey. We'll take Marvin Harrison this year. We'll, we'll struggle a little bit, and we'll be we'll be in top ten contention. Marvin next Harrison year or, or, Brock, or Brock Bowers, one of them. Yeah. So Draft yeah, that's true. Yeah, that actually, yeah, I probably would get Marvin Harrison. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what they do. But yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. But we say all that to say that yeah, Alabama's tripping. They, they, those <laughs> niggas. Yeah, no, to tell people to stop giving money to the church and give it to the church of Bear Bryant. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's how we got to that. But yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're bullshitting. They are bullshitting. Absolutely. Oh man. Let's see how that works. Let's see how that pans out, right? <sighs> that was funny. But we gonna move on to some more positive things. You know, it's 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 some positive things going on in the world, man. I'm gonna tell you. Um, College basketball is full swing. I've, I've said before, you know, I, I mean, the men's side this year has been entertaining. I'm not going to lie. But I'm still, you know, I keep them in the side view mirror. You know, saw a couple good games. But the women's game, it's a lot of intriguing storylines, you know. Yep, um, of course. There's obviously, you know, LSU and South Carolina play this week. You know, so we get our first look at how serious both of those teams are. We know South Carolina's like that. But LSU, this is a chance to kind of see, are they for real this year or are they still kind of fumbling their way through? We're going to find out Absolutely. about them. So there's that coming. There is, you know, um, Juju Watkins has been lighting it up. USC, fight on, fight on. Mm-hmm. You know, UCLA doing their thing. Um, you know, so they're, they're good storylines. But the biggest story of the week, Tara Vanderveer. 
Stanford's coach is now the winningest coach, men's or women's, in college basketball's history. She passed. First of all, she tied Coach K, and then Sunday night she passed him for the most wins all time. She has, I yep. think, 1,200-something. 12, I forgot how many. But she's passed Coach K. Gino is gaining. Gino has got at least two or three more years. No, not that many. Gino could pass him this at some point later this season, too. So it could be Gino and Tara Vanderville in the same season, Vanderveer in the same season, passing Coach K. So, but right now it's Tara Vanderveer. We're talking about her. She has been an elite coach for years. She's won titles. We obviously remember her for her contributions to the USA women's team. team. You know, yeah. the team that Don Staley was on, the team that Rebecca Lobo was on, the team that ushered in the era that we are in now birthed the WNBA because of it, like the women's dream team in 96 or whatever it was. So she gave us that. She gave us that. She's yeah. been the legendary coach for years. It's, it's been incredible, man. An incredible run. Shout out to Tara Vanderbilt. Um, you know, greatest coach, you know, in, in women's basketball, um, you know, and possibly all basketball in terms of college basketball, which is the consistency. Hold on, hold on. I don't know. Arguably. She got the most. She got the most. She wins. got the most wins, but like, I mean, Pat White. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got your Pat. You got you know Pat Summit <laughs> and, and Coach K. So that's you know Gino. <laughs> Dawn is young in her career, but yeah, I think you know she's well on her way. Vanderveer, no, Vanderveer's um, up there though. No, I'm, I'm yeah, just saying. Like I'm just said, saying. You know, it's it's a lot of Pat White yeah, fans out there that'll be like, hey. but we're gonna celebrate her. Celebrate her. Shout out to her. Um, it's been incredible. You know, they just won a national championship three years ago, right? So that yeah, just like beating shows her, her longevity. Right, like right. she won it back in the '90s, coached the Olympic team back in the '90s, and then went in the championship in 2021. Um, incredible, uh, uh, you know, career. And hey, man, women's basketball is in a great place, like you said, and it, it's just beautiful that it this record was broken this year. You're in a, a possibly um, at the height of women's basketball, right? Uh, right. With Caitlin Clark, uh, you know, Angel Reese, one of the probably I think that was the most watched national championship game, right, right. last year. Um, so coming out and then Caitlin and Angel both could declare but also could both come back um so I, I think at the height of women basketball you got the and then you, you got, got this the, freshman the record class yeah and a legendary amazing. freshman class with Juju and got a shout out uh, Hannah Hidalgo who's uh, an amazing uh you know freshman at Notre Dame right now averaging almost six steals a game it, it's just crazy so and then what's that girl what's that, hard. Shout out to her. what's that girl's name at Utah I can't remember I can't remember her name uh, but that Alisa, girl Alisa Peely Alyssa Peel, that girl's balling. She's, she's, she's different. I mean, she's a beast. Like, she is a beast. 30, she's, you know, against the best teams, too, putting up yeah. 30. Right? She's just... That girl different. And she and she a little bit, like, because they don't really know, like, in this era of positionless basketball, like, yeah. they don't know where to put her. Cause she, yeah, because she's, she's shorter than than, than bigs uh, that are kind of in the WNBA, right? Like, she's about maybe 6'2", yeah. maybe 6'2". Six 6'2", two. Six two, but um, she built but, like a tank. Like, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> can't stop her. Can't stop her in a tank. She can um, shoot too. Her strength is, is incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's, she's different. different. She's different. She's so different. it's just like it's, it's a lot of great storylines. But hey, man, Tara and Stanford too. Like they're they're having an amazing season again. And even that girl at Stanford, that big tall number twenty one or whatever her name is. Yeah. Yeah. No. She yeah. They got. They, yep. So uh, yeah. Or Cameron Brink. Yeah. 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 No. So the, it's a lot going on. So. Shout out to, you know, all our goats in the era. A lot of our goats are walking away, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Vanderveer has done everything now. You got the record now. Yeah. Like, I wonder maybe this will be her final year. We don't know. Yeah. Gino, you know, at some point he'll walk away. Coach mm-hmm. K already walked away. So, Coach K, know. Jim Beheim. Beheim walked away. Like, you yeah. know, 
it's a lot of our goals are starting to walk away. So, you know, you got to appreciate this stuff. Indeed. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, I guess that's our show this week. You know, um, I just got to say, you know, shout out to us. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to the city of Baltimore. Shout out to Kansas City. Shout out to to Detroit, man. Detroit stand yeah. up. You know. Well on our way, man. Well on our way in twenty twenty four. What the what the people are saying, Dev, is less if Ravens in Detroit, Vegas of Super Bowl, they saying that might be the blackest Super Bowl of all time. It really they say, might they, be. They say, they say, they saying our, our brothers and sisters about to shut Vegas down. That's what oh, they say. Oh lord, oh lord. <laughs> Vegas is gonna be a fucking shit show, man. That's gonna be the most <laughs> dystopian Super Bowl of all time, man. I, Vegas is about to be a matter. I was telling people this two years ago when they announced Vegas. I'm like, bro, Vegas is gonna be crazy. Like, people better be ready for Vegas because mm-hmm. it's gonna be. If we thought L.A. was crazy, just wait. <laughs> like Vegas is gonna be a madhouse, and I hope yep. players, coaches, referees, I hope everybody is prepared because it's yeah. And yeah, in the era of sports gambling, like yeah, no, this is gonna be crazy. They're on y'all best behavior because you know if there's one thing in this uh, 24/7, 365 news cycle, you know, yeah. those Vegas things don't really stay in Vegas these days, right? Because you know the Super Bowl is when players like to go out and have a little fun. Like if you ain't been there before, and or even if you have, you know, people, you know. It, 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 Better be locked in. Okay. Gonna be some people. We gonna figure out who was out partying the night before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, yeah. But play-by-play yeah. play analysis podcast. I'm gonna shout out my guy, Walt, for coming on this week. Shout out to you, my brother. I appreciate you, brother. Always, man. As usual and whatnot. But, yeah. Play-by-play play analysis podcast. It's your boy, Devin Nash. PSK play-by-play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And we gotta get about out of here. So, I'm gonna see y'all when I see y'all. This is. Peace.